Welcome to Full Metal RPG episode 77. It's uh, just Adam and Richie Buzzkill this time. So how are you doing, Adam? I'm doing all right. Are we sure it's Full Metal RPG and not Technical Difficulties, the role-playing show? Oh, no. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> of course. We are back uh, to recording again. Yeah, yeah. We lost some of the last one, but we're doing great now. Everything is firing on all cylinders, and we got little bouncy lines on the board, so yeah. we're happy to go. No, we, we, we're, we're much better now. Excellent. How are you doing, Richard? Um, I'm doing okay. You just kind of like busy with all of my projects that I can't talk about that aren't not uh, not interesting to talk about. How about that? You're a so, man of mystery. Dun, dun, uh, cool. Dun, dun, dun. Well, that's good to hear. You're busy. You're staying busy, staying involved in the community. You got your uh, Dungeon Masters Happy Hour that went off recently. Right. The, yeah, the Dungeon Masters Happy Hour is one of my favorite events. I get to, I basically, it's, it's, to get a pint or a drink or a beverage of any kind uh, with some role-playing people, you know, talk about role-playing and meet them before you might invite them over to your house. So um, that's always nice to know people before you invite them into your house. Right. So, but I, I enjoy uh, a beverage or two and uh, we actually had uh, the, the missing man formation here. Uh, Brendan was actually running his ravenous play test. He chose, he chose to do his playtest before retreating into his gothic cave in order to finish uh, rights finish try to finish his ash can he, he is in fact ravenously working on ravenous right now that is why he is not here he is busy we miss him but we understand that he has obligations and duties that he must fulfill me on the other hand i just kind of slacked off on creating my adventure module i was working on or any of my content but you know Hey, what can you do? I'll do better. Let's let's put it that way. I commit to do better. <laughs> You'll get back to it. I, I you keep mentioning it, so I do. I just I don't know. I haven't been in the right headspace to be funny you, lately. You know, yeah. so I need to get back in the funny headspace. Right. Well, the, hey, let's, you'll, let's you'll get, get there. the yuck yucks. So yeah. no, for sure. Uh, eventually, it'll happen. Um, and a bit of sad news that we have to address. Uh, Rick Loomis of Flying Buffalo Games has passed away. Um, you might know them. They're the publishers of Tunnels and Trolls and Nuclear War. Uh, he wrote Grimstooth Traps. So if you've ever been killed by a particularly insidious trap in a role-playing game, there is a good chance it came from Grimstooth's Traps. Uh, he was also running a lot of play-by-mail games. I believe Starweb was one of those. And he wrote Buffalo Castle as well. Uh, so we will miss him. He was a larger-than-life figure in the Phoenix community. We always saw him out at cons. He was always very friendly and approachable. Um, I, for one, am personally very saddened by that news. Um, he has a GoFundMe set up to help cover some of the medical expenses he incurred, so we do encourage you to go visit that. You can read the official statement there from Fine Buffalo Games, and uh, please feel free to contribute. We encourage you to contribute to that uh, to that GoFundMe to help out his family, and our, our condolences and best wishes go out to his friends and family during this very difficult time. I threw some I threw some bucks in there, yeah. so I, I think it was really important because it's one of those things where like we don't think about it, but game designers don't have insurance from a company, right? And like, they're not living in these like gilded palaces or anything, right? Yeah, they're it's, they're living in their in their one bedroom apartments and and having maybe having a car, right? Like, and they're bringing joy to you, so you know it, yeah. it's nice when you can give back. So if you can give back, we certainly encourage you to do that. But you know that maudlin aside, 
uh, raise a glass and throw dice in his honor. It's what he would want, and um, it's what we will continue to do and encouraging you to do in his memory. Yeah, no, I, I definitely uh, want to break out nuclear war and uh, slaughter millions of people in his honor. Um, <laughs> what, a, what a ringing endorsement. Uh, it, it, was, it was really, you know, I, uh, I always enjoyed my interactions with him, and uh, it, was, it was a sad day. Yeah, just a super nice guy. Um, and he touched a lot of people in the industry and in Phoenix in particular. So that aside, um, and speaking of slinging dice, we should talk about what we've been playing. Richard, you've been playing some stuff, I know. What have you been up to? I have been playing a lot of Fiasco lately. And and not like every day, but I was definitely at a, uh, a little event locally here. And uh, I decided, you know, everybody's like, oh, we're going to play all these board games. Uh, and I'm like, well, I'm the weirdo, so I have to suggest that we play a, a role-playing game at a board game convention. And so... I said, hey, who wants to play a role-playing game? And then some people said, hey, yeah, that sounds great. So we decided to play Fiasco, and uh, it didn't work. Right, because you're a big Fiasco fan, and you're always kind of talking about, oh, yeah, it's great. You can just throw random people into it, and it just clicks. And so what do you think is so great about Fiasco, and why do you think it didn't work this time? So the great thing about Fiasco is it's basically Coen Brothers, the role-playing game. So if you ever wanted to like pull off some hijinks and have some like you know you know steal some stuff and trade you know mule drugs mule mule carry drugs across the canadian border while creating a cult and and having a uh, a a couple side romances like this is the kind of game you play that in and it's it's a it if every if you know it's about setting expectations and it's one of those things where like the play sets do a really good job of give it, giving you clues into what the expectations of this game are. And I think that may be why it didn't work this time as we were trying to play a uh, play set of uh, Bulldogs, which is a kind of space Firefly mm. style role-playing game. And I just don't think it was as easy to get into that magic headspace of... The, mm. So what was the problem with it? Was it just kind of no buy-in from the people uh, playing it, or were they were they like in our um, Scum and Villainy game? Were they trying to play different games? Because we had that thing where you and I were trying to play Star Wars, and the other people were trying to play Firefly, and it didn't work. I think it worked for them. It didn't work for us. But well, that- <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because we just got sidelined. They just like pushed us into a corner. And that's true. Uh, but we're never not going to be mad about that. But that's oh, I'm not mad. I'm <laughs> or, over it. It's just or, it's a funny story at this it, point. It's an anecdote that I like great. to trot out when I go here. Why did this game not work? Because here's a game that I was in that that had an issue, and was it similar to that? It gave me life experience, right? And I, I think it was part of that was we definitely had people that were trying to that maybe we're trying too hard to get everyone involved in every scene and that's not because when these games this is one of these games where table secrets around the table are great that everybody knows them because then you can kind of drive because there's no game master to kind of wrangle all that together everybody Mm -hmm. i'm a i'm facilitating this game so i'm just like helping people with rules there aren't many and try and get them uh, get them 
you know, they're stuck for a scene, so I might give I might be the first one to volunteer to give them a scene for them to play off of. And maybe I, you know, I wasn't up to the challenge of like later in the evening not having drunk drunk anything, but other people have were drinking. Mm-hmm. And then there was somebody that was like trying to make it into like a gun smuggling thing where we were trying to smuggle stuff, but we were I think we we're kind of headed more towards a like a like a love triangle and a and a and a more more like dark matter and less like uh star wars edge of the empire like okay yeah so like uh, we were still all mercenaries and smugglers and stuff but we were definitely going towards uh more of it more of that kind of thing and and i think that's why it didn't work but i i also think that maybe it doesn't work for I mean, that's probably the top reason. The second reason is it's way easier for people to imagine themselves uh, robbing a bank in the modern day or in the Old West than it is to rob a bank or do something crazy in space. Right. So I think that's one of the reasons that uh, sci-fi, you know, that are... um, when I call it uh, licenses really work well for the tabletop is because everybody knows what to expect. Yeah, level sets the expectation. Right, where this was a license that no one, I, I hadn't even played this game. I have it sitting on my shelf, of course, because mm-hmm. I am a hoarder, if nothing else. And uh, But nobody really knew, I mean, I read the preamble and it kind of set out some stuff, but it didn't really give a, I don't think it gave an a visceral, like, uh, imagery to really kick things off. So, okay. and uh, so there were issues with the because it sounds like there were issues with the players not contributing scenes or not really knowing how to build a scene either, right? Right, and there were definitely some people that kind of ran out of steam, like they just didn't know what to do next. And I'm like, well, if you'd like me to set a scene, but then that uh, that's not really you know that can happen. But if I'm not get you know whoever giving the scene, it was me mainly like not giving a scene that's going to be you know like i wasn't really feeling it the the Mm. the play set so like i think i think it was just kind of like error upon error upon error like because i i mean we played i played recently played a game where on tuesday nights we have a a beginners D&D night and a board game night and uh, I go to play board games, but there were some leftover D&D people, and they had never played a role-playing game before, or at least a couple of them never played a role-playing game. A couple people had played a couple sessions of D&D, but we were playing basically the Fargo playset, and that just like clicked along like nobody's business. Like when I'm talking about muling cat cocaine to Canada, like that, like she'd never played a role-playing game before, and she was like, yeah, no, we're a cult that also sells cocaine and also smugs across the Canadian border. And I'm like, nice. I, 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 I would hug you, but I, I don't want to cross any borders right, right. now. So that'd like, be weird. <laughs> Just to X card that. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, X card that. And this is definitely one of those games where X card is necessary. And I think that we never got to the point where we were getting close to those like 
razor sharp edges and mm. fiery bits and nothing burned down. Like only one player character died. Like there was no arson. Yeah, there is was, it even really a role playing game if no one suggests or attempts arson at any point? I think that's a future topic we should go deeply into because <laughs> oh, it'll come up in my discussion of what I've been playing. <laughs> right, because I, I, I actually in Fiasco, it's happened so many times that I intentionally and I don't always burn things down, but there I've intentionally ratcheted the difficulty for myself as I don't go to the place where I'm burning things down, mm. like. If it happens, it happens, but I'm not going to be the one that suggests. That suggests that, yeah, you don't want to be the one who puts arson in people's heads as an idea of, hey, right. here's how you solve your problems. Just burn them all. Well, clearly. I mean, and it's a fine solution to most <laughs> role-playing problems. It's just really annoying if you want to keep a story going. So. I don't know if it's a fine solution. It's a common solution. Sure. I don't sure. know if it's a fine solution. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the, uh, you know... That's just one of those things where uh, it, I've had sessions go really well, but that was kind of the first time I ever had anything not go well. So I'm going to kind of just, I'm, I'm going to, I know you haven't played. Mm -hmm. so And I'd like to. So at some point, if we, if we get one going again, I'd like to try it out because I feel like it is a big gap in my role playing resume. And I would like to fill that gap and try it out. That's also, I, really, I don't even know if I've ever played Gumshoe either. I need to fill that one too. I well, don't know. Well, For, you, you get Brendan to, come down from his high castle and and uh, i think run some gumshoe well yeah he's busy right now but we'll he, let him finish up right what he's got it but i will definitely uh like when i can get back to friday night role playing i will definitely do a fiasco uh play set of some variety and i of course backed it on kickstarter so i can get the new card version which i think will be more ecologically friendly because that is the one thing about that game is i use about a half pack of uh, index cards every time i play it mm. <laughs> so started to use the back sides because i was like i'm not buying another pack of cards yeah, i don't like, want to keep blowing through index cards there's only so many trees on the planet and half, I mean, <laughs> the amazon's burning so you know yeah, we gotta be yeah. we, we gotta spare some resources yeah. So what have you been playing, Adam? I have started playing Warhammer 40K again. It is a war game, but role-playing games kind of spun out of war gaming. And I kind of like to approach it as a role-playing game anyway. I like to have my little units and squads say things that are primarily or uh, thematically appropriate as they're gunning down Xenos, or in this case, getting gunned down by Xenos. I played uh, our friend Dustin's tau and i was playing we're trying to play box sets so 41 pl i found out that my box is 36 pl so already i was at 5 pl disadvantage Oof. so like a 12 percent uh 10 to 15 percent disadvantage and power level right off the get-go and <laughs> i'm playing a box that i don't consider to be like a really great box the dark imperium box it made some improvements to it with the new codex and his tower just they're they're pretty good. He's not playing an optimized list by any means. He's not there to slit throats or anything. He's there to have fun, too. So we played, and we had a really great time. I had a lot of fun uh, looking forward to, to doing that again and getting back into that whole scene and, you know, getting to play some games, get some games in. And then at Game Club, Hazael had said she wanted to run something, and so she pitched Tales of Equestria, which is the My Little Pony role-playing game. And... I said, all right, I'll play that. I've run that as a horror game before. So I was like, all right, I'll play it. And, you know, it's good to support a new GM because that's our first time running for the club. And I said, oh, yeah, let's let's play. I'll play. 
So I made a pony named Naaman Chandler, who's like an alcoholic <laughs> film noir detective pony. <laughs> it's like I drew, drew a picture. He's got a fedora and a cigarette and a little spyglass cutie mark on him because the ponies have little cutie marks. And then we had another one who's playing a death metal pony named Klops Grinder. And of course, of course. So I had all these punny kind of pony names, Philly S. Diller. And I, can't I feel, remember some I feel like this ones. is like half the reason you want to play this game. Well, yeah, it's puns. Like you just get to play puns, but then the sales run in the module that's out of the book, which is the, um, the main ponies ask you to babysit their pets while they go off and deal with some problem. I don't know, some pony problem. Like, I don't like somebody there's not enough carrots or somebody poisoned the water hole or I don't know what it is, but they go off to deal <laughs> with that. There's a snake in my boot. Yeah, they, <laughs> they leave you there to watch their pets. And of course their pets escape. You have to go track them down. Well, right off the bat, she's kind of describing pony society and how there's these alicorn ponies who are the, like the lawgivers or the rulers and they live up in the clouds and they're these unicorn Pegasus ponies. And I'm like, well, how's the system of government work? And apparently they go down and like mag bestow magic on, Pegasus ponies are unicorn ponies to turn them into alicorns and then they get uplifted into the alicorn society and blah. So I'm like, well, this sounds like I'm an earth pony, so there's never a chance that I can become part of the ruling class. And this kind of sounds an awful lot like an aristocracy and we should tear it down. So very quickly it became um, like uh, the children of the revolution ponies or, or v- the, Viva the, la revolution. Yeah, like the, the red book Karl Marx ponies as we're <laughs> trying to chin up some way to overthrow <laughs> the pony leadership and restore the means of production to the earth pony masses and to, to his sales credit she, she rolled with it but I, I'm not sure it was going how she wanted it to which is I kind of feel like that could be the tagline of Game Club is, I'm not sure this is going how I envisioned it. (laughs) Sounds about right. And so, um, yeah, we go and we find all these pets and then we bring them back and it turns out, she did the twist where it turns out we were all these changelings who are like these evil ponies. They're, you know, all black and they look all messed up and they have like these weird bug wings. She's like, oh yeah, and that's why you want to overthrow pony society and upturn it. And so we then committed some light arson and arson again huh? yeah it's, it always comes down to art i will have you know i'm not the one who suggested the arson or well, kicked off the arson I, I couldn't guess which person actually kicked off the arson but we're not going to go into that but oh, it was kelson <laughs> well kelson. i was i was like yeah well it was one of his last shots so like, yeah. he has to burn everything down so he like, burned that down with some of the pets still inside the building so there was arson and murder and then she's like oh you hear this gasp from behind you and there's a little dragon I think his name's Spike. She's like, little dragon Spike, and you see him, and he's got because he sees you in your true forms and the burning, and <laughs> just turn to her and go, I kick him in the face. <laughs> and she goes, roll for it. So I have a D8 to roll for it. I roll eight. She's like, all right, fine. You kick him in the face and knock him unconscious. <laughs> that was the, the cap, the chef's kiss on that entire, mwah, magnifique on that entire <laughs> adventure. But to her credit, she rolled with it, and she is planning on running it again this Friday, hopefully for some players who buy into the genre and the setting a little more and are not trying to play like Trotsky, you know what I mean? Well, uh, hopefully she gets some of those uh, My Little Pony guys that are down that play the card yeah, game. Yeah, that down. play the card game, yeah. Trotsky's another good pun name for a pony. So. It's, that's an that's an amazing, that's actually a good yeah. pun for that, that game. One, that one may come up at some point in the future if I ever play again. Well, or you put it in your, uh, in your module you 
try to finish writing. For yeah, at some point, if I, yeah, for Ponies of Sin, I could put a Trotsky pony in there. That's Why pretty not? Good. That, that might be a better desert hermit than it might be than the one that I used the the very vague, the very not so vague on the nose Obi Wan one. Yeah, right. I, I need to replace him. He's he doesn't fit the whole thing. Anyway. Nobody knows what we're talking about, Richard. Yeah, no, we're confusing I mean, everyone. Well, no, we we talked about it a little bit on the on the thing, but not not this detailed. It, this is true. So yeah, uh, that is what I've been playing. I've had a lot of fun playing those games, and I'm looking forward to playing more Warhammer, more games at Game Club. So I think we're gonna go to a break, but I'm gonna talk about the sponsors. Well, we talked about what we've been buying. Oh yeah, no the the, the just, perpetual. You just skipped right over that. Well, right over that's there. true. What have you been buying? Uh, well, I didn't. I haven't bought anything in a store. I've got. I got a Kickstarter in. Cool. Which uh, one? Hack the Planet. Mmm. Nice. So it's a uh, Forge in the Dark, cyberpunk role playing game. There's no exclamation point at the end of it, so I'm assuming that's why they're not going to get sued by the makers of Hackers. Yeah, the, Angelina Jolie comes slitting throats. Yeah, she swing hard. Mm-hmm. She got enough money to make it happen. Yeah, that's true, and enough kids to, for an army. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but um, it's it's a Forge in the Dark. It's, you're, you're in uh, basically Shelter One, which is kind of more of a – a mega city one kind of a, a, a humanity has cu- has gone to these shelters uh, because of the ecological disasters right we we finally killed the planet right climate change is real yep spoilers for everybody climate Spoil- change is real spoiler. yeah and it killed the planet and you got to go retreat to these things it's not like so it's not like in arcology or a hive well, i guess kind of because they're kind of like mega city one yeah it's a little it, it's a little bit like that it's it, the map I think it's supposed to be an island, but I can't quite tell because it's got gray around it instead of. I think it's supposed to be maybe a mesa or something. Yeah, um, like ash wastes. Yeah, I've yeah. always kind of like that mega city one, surrounded by the ash wastes, right. and the Agreed. judges, the retired judges, go out to bring law to the wastes. Right, and um, it's got a lot of great influences from like Akira and and uh, Ghost in the Shell and a lot of the other cyberpunk stuff but it's also got its own take where there's like three different corporations one is like the uh we produce things then there's the one that kind of consume that that uh that has like the law and then there's like the i can't remember what the third one is but it's basically the three legs of survival right you get the megacorps running things which is a a trope of the genre right it's it's literally the basis of the genre and um we, uh, you're playing gangers who have kind of gone outside the system to try because you haven't been. It, I think you're not even allowed into the city. I think you're like on the outskirts and kind of slums, and you're trying to basically uh, improve your position as as you want to do in the cyberpunk genre. Mm. Okay, kind of like a red markets vibe off of that too. A little bit, similar. yeah. Okay, um, but it it seems like I mean. I love Blades in the Dark, and I love Cyberpunk. So if we can play Blades in the Dark Cyberpunk, where instead of like a neo-Victorian uh, nightmare hellscape, steampunky, steampunky hellscape, dishonored, yeah, type deal, right, right. We're playing in kind of the cyberpunk genre with like biker gangs and 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 different hacker collectives and stuff like that, and you're. You know, doing some of the, the the great things about the genre, which is you know 
taking taking on the man and uh, rate rating their their uh, facilities and stuff like that. So cool. Well, we're gonna have a little bit more cyberpunk a little later in the show. A little teaser for it. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a, a review. Re- review coming up of some cyberpunk stuff. So stay tuned for that. So what have you been buying, Adam? Sadly, my role-playing purchases have taken a backseat to my Warhammer purchases, as they are wont to do, because they put out a new Space Marine Army Codex book. Yeah, Codex. Uh, and so I had to get that and the cards. And then there were a couple Necromunda books, like the Book of Judgment that came recently came out, and the Book of Peril that came out before that that I didn't have. So I had to buy all of those because I, uh, games workshops, like, willing servant who buys everything that they put out mm-hmm. and i got those and i also grabbed war cry which is the age of sigmar skirmish game uh so i have that i, I have that on a shelf i it, haven't opened it it's on a shelf because it's motivation to complete painting my dark imperium stuff is almost done so right. that i can take that down and open it and paint that actually no scratch that because i have to finish painting speed freaks then i can paint that so i motivate myself to paint my existing stuff that I didn't paint by buying more stuff that I am not painting, which is just a great mechanism. I think that's really going to work for me and probably not my bank account. Didn't wasn't didn't they already have a, a skirmish game for Sigmar? They had Age of Sigmar skirmish, yes, which was a book, but not like a box set. Warcry is a little as a whole self-contained box set and there's cards that you can buy and there's all the little accoutrements so they have to sell you all of the little extra things and me being who i am i saw it was like well i'd be stupid not to buy (laughs) adam has always want to be a little extra yeah so um so then i was stupid and i bought it and now i own it and i haven't even i'm can't i am forbidding myself from opening it until i get the other stuff done first more books for the book throne yeah dice for the dice gods books for the book throne but uh yeah so let's uh so we're we're going to talk about sponsors and we'll do take a little break we should talk about sponsors and then we will take a little break so our first sponsor is exalted funeral Check out Exalted Funeral. They recently relaunched their web store. They've got it's a lot. Gorgeous. Yeah, it is awesome. They got a lot of great indie games, a lot of great DCC stuff, some MCC stuff. So if you're looking for any of those books, or if you just kind of want to see what's out there that's new, check them out. Let them know we sent you. Buy some goods from Exalted Funeral. Well, they also have esoteric books. They do. And metal. T-shirts and metal. Mm-hmm. And- yeah, so there's a lot for everybody. They run the so. gamut. And what I'm saying is go check them out because there's bound to be something there for you. If you're listening to this show, there's bound to be something there for you. Yeah, for sure. And our other sponsors, the Game Depot in Tempe, Arizona, on the corner of McClintock and Southern. The Game Depot has all your Warhammer, War Machine, role-playing, board gaming, chess, magic, the gathering, dice, paints, needs, Go to the Game Depot, let them know we sent you, and get your role-playing stuff. They will hook you up. Dave and Patty are great people. I've known them for a long time. We're happy to have their sponsorship, and we would love if you guys would show them some love as well. All right. Well, it's about that time. We're going to take a little break, and we will be right back with Richard's review of Cyberpunk Welcome back 
to Full Metal RPG. Uh, I'm Richie Buskill, and I love cyberpunk a lot. Like, I do love cyberpunk a lot. It, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, been my genre for a long time, and I don't get to play it as often as I like. It's just like, every, it's like everybody else. Like, I don't get to play it as often, but I'm well, super. You got to hit them with those hot takes. Yeah, hit them with those hot takes. Right. Well, now, now I can. Now it's back. Cyberpunk is back. So listen. So, so I'm going to talk about Cyberpunk uh, Red, the Jumpstart Kit, which is t- our Telsorian has released a new kit. Uh, I've got a disclaimer. Uh, I'm only reviewing the PDFs and not the physical box set because uh, people couldn't get it for me. So it sold out, and it has not shown up at my friendly local game store. So um, hopefully someday that will happen. Uh, but and it's Cyberpunk 2020. This is a sequel to Cyberpunk 2020, and it's one of my favorite games of all time. So maybe I'm a bit biased here. So um, here's my review. Uh, after a long lapse, uh, Mike Pondsmith and the crew at Artelsori have returned to the Cyberpunk, the genre, the genre they helped define for RPGs. Uh, Cyberpunk is a science fiction centered around the struggle of lower classes and how technology affects their fight against the authority. As with any genre, knowing a little bit about the world at the time in which it was written, you you will be able to understand it where that fiction comes from. The world of 1980s, when Cyberpunk was first published, we saw an improbable president elected on the back of economic uncertainty. The economic uncertainty had also increased the gap between the haves and have-nots. Technology was developing at an ever-accelerating rate, and the world was on is was in an ecological crisis. These were the conditions Cyberpunk was born from, and does that sound familiar to anyone? Hashtag topical. Hashtag topical. It does uh, to me, and I think that's why this genre has seen a resurgence in the last couple of years. It only makes sense that the OG Cyberpunk RPG would return. Um, So... What kind of rules changes have they made? And I think the rules in the Jumpstart are streamlined, of course, because it's a beginner's box set. It's meant to start you off, but they're also still based on the original Artelsorian fusion system, which is a traditional style stat plus skill plus D10 against a target or an adversary's role. Um, combat is now Thursday Night Throwdown as, as modified from the original combat system Friday Night Firefight, which, as Adam will point out later, is a much better name, uh, which is a simplification from the 2020, and it seems like it generally the direction for Red. Uh, and the combat simplification, I think, is really strong here. Like, we, we don't have... Um, uh, it's two target zones instead of all the target zones, so it's like body and head. So you still get the cool headshots, but you don't get the, um, you know, like, okay, I got, I get hit in the right arm. Like that's all narrative, at least for the box set. Anyways, uh, one of the issues red also solves is net running or cyberpunk's version of a hacker. Um, in 2020, it was very clunky and it was basically like running a second game for one player. And you were basically going through a dungeon 
of of their of another design. But in red, the hacker, the netrunner has to go with, uh, go to the site of the server. They take turns right alongside the edge runners, and that makes them um, might have to know how to fire a gun now, which is just like a really interesting paradigm shift because you never would put points in gun as a as a netrunner. Uh, the art is really great and probably has benefited from the relationship with CD Projekt Red and the upcoming Cyberpunk uh, 2077 video game. The art looks like concept art for the video game and not like a video game. So I think it really, um, I think it really does justice. And of course, it <laughs> my crappy uh, paper printouts are not helping. But uh, <laughs> and the the. Uh, And then the world building in this box set is really quite amazing because the uh, the the world book is is larger than the rule book and chock full of interesting details about the world and the alternate history of Cyberpunk Red. So instead of restarting the timeline from today, they kept all the events from 2020 and just added on to it. Uh, also, the world book is a great module, which see. Uh, that uh, that seems like a great uh, great is apparently my favorite adjective uh, seed for a campaign and three adventure seeds. So all in all, I feel like you could run a camp, start a campaign with this and with a little imagination keep it going. I think this is a great time to grab your mirrored shades and get and get this kit and learn to run the edge. So that's my review. Nice. In terms of the the world book is there enough there to actually kick a long-running campaign or do you think you would want to have like the nice city, the night city nice city the night city source, source book to help you run that as well um i think you could because there's multiple corporation uh kind of outlines in there i mean they're not going to be as deeply uh detailed as, as some of the and you can use any of the cyberpunk 2020 material with this, like the system is pretty much fully compatible hmm. um, because you're just basically using a stat plus a skill, and they haven't changed the stats or the skills. Uh, the only thing they did change was the net running, the how it worked. So you would change how that works, but which is probably a welcome change because I remember that being not great. Way easier to deal with well, because good. you're just adding like a late, like it's like planning the security system for the building at, and the server system is kind of the same mm -hmm. thing as opposed to like, oh God, I need a, a whole, a New York Times crossword puzzle. Bring me graph paper. And I, yeah, I need graph paper and I need to design like a whole, like I steal a whole D&D &D, uh, dungeon to run against you, but replace it with all these other pieces. Right. So it doesn't have a lot of equipment in there, but you can pretty much I mean, could you use your Chromebooks? I think you could use your Chromebooks. I, I I don't think there's any. I mean, only like the price. Like I think they finally gave everybody cell phones or the equivalent thereof. So mm, like, right. but the net the the net doesn't exist anymore. So you kind of like that's why the net runners have to go. Is all the big networks have collapsed? Mm. So all the cities and buildings all have their own networks. So they kind of solved that problem in, on a couple different levels, right? Of the of the netrunner staying in the van, like 
three blocks away or, or and, on and their home couch being in a wheelchair like, and yeah. not being able to move. Right. Yeah. Cause you get more points for your net running stuff. If you do that, uh, they actually didn't have any, um, that was, that was shadow run. They don't have, any, Oh yeah, you're right. That they was shadow run. They don't have any merits and flaws in this. Yeah. Yeah. Game. You're right. I'm thinking shadow. Run. And, and they have a, a I life fleet. The two, they have a life path system, like a simplified version, mm-hmm. which actually I think I'm, if they, Expand it. I might just go with the way they did it in the jumpstart because I don't need every year of my life to have a different life event. Right. But you kind of just go through the list of life events and just take one, of, or you kind of roll for one of each. So you kind of diversify. So you that problem where you would roll the same life path over and over and over right. again, that's not a problem anymore. I, I really do think that this is a a good step forward unlike some of the other step forwards they tried to make that we won't talk about yeah did they punt on 2030 entirely uh i i think they pretty much ignored it i can't i can't say because i never was super familiar with the timeline that they put in there Mm -hmm. but i think they kind of just ignored it like everybody else because one of the things that's interesting about this is it's been pitched as um like an introduction to the video game, which I thought was super curious. Yeah, and I think they're going to use at least the the player facing because it's going to be an RPG and not just a first person shooter. Mm. I think think more like uh, like Fallout is a first person shooter, but it's really got those RPG la- layered on top of that. So kind of, kind of, <laughs> but you're instead of being like here's a weird settlement with just a farmer. Like you've got hundreds and hundreds of NPCs running around at once. Right. So you'll have more opportunity to make those decisions. But I think they're just going to use the, like your stats and skills will be the same. So if you understand this, then they're doing the, they're doing the dice rolling behind the scene or whatever, whatever algorithm they're doing instead of a dice roll. Okay. So I think that's going to be kind of the why they're pitching that is, and I thought they were going to produce Cyberpunk Red and then a version called Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, but I think they're just going to go with Cyberpunk Red, okay. As in, but I I don't know because they are they're like one of those enigmatic companies that don't really exist anymore where they don't talk about what they're doing infinitum like because the intro adventure in this isn't set in 2077 right it's set in it's so this is all this is set in the time of red which is just after because they're basically in the timeline they nuke night city okay and that turns like that sets off a cascade reaction that basically turns the sky red for quite so some probably time. probably don't need the Night City source book then. Right, but you can still use it because you can just rip whole cloth out. Of, mm. It's a it's a good source book to just rip sections of cities to, out. To create your second city. Right. right, and they describe what happened in Night City, and it it actually quite goes in it, uh, enough detail that you could you kind of you know start from there. And the adventure in there is... What I really like to do is actually build a neighborhood and have my character, the characters, the PCs live in a neighborhood together and not just force them together as some sort of mercenary squad so they can kind of have like a coming and going kind of thing and have interactions and not necessarily like, all right, you're all in this little ball. I mean, the the story will eventually force them all to begin this this group, but mm-hmm. like 
that they will have to make that decision for themselves. So okay, so that's why I say it's a great seed adventure. So right, yeah, I've heard the seed adventure is good. I, I've heard complaints about Thursday Night Throwdown with terrible name. Friday Night Firefight was way better. Yes, <laughs> to to your point earlier, I, right. I will bitch about that endlessly going forward. Yes, of course. It seems like Thursday Night Throwdown is very very streamlined. It, it looked like it was a five pages all of about five pages as opposed to the voluminous text that was friday night firefight right because friday night firefight was very simulationist right it it even gets pointed to as like this is a simulationist combat engine right in the industry and in other sources that i've looked at and so it's kind of interesting to see them take this approach with it how did you find it did you find that off-putting as somebody who's a fan of it and who's dealt with friday night firefight or was it just kind of like oh no this feels good this feels snappy i kind of like what they did here well and, and that was the thing is at the time in the early 90s and the late 80s and through the 90s this friday night firefight while simulationist felt like a fast and deadly system mm-hmm and as time went on, the system didn't feel as fast and deadly because systems got moved on. Like we, we see a lot more lighter systems, right? That are a lot or, faster. or you got the guy with like the under skin weave and the metallic bones, and so it stopped being deadly because he's just like, oh yeah, bullets don't affect me. Right. Well, you always just pack your uh, mono knives and and use those, but that's there you go. Uh, but uh, this. I, I, I know they'll add a little bit more. They're gonna they're going to, but I don't really feel like I need more. Like I feel like they've got enough in there. Like they really kind of condense down the essence of a cyberpunk t- okay. turn into something that's useful. Uh, I've yet to run it, so there's that. Uh, I do want to run it, but there life happens. Yeah, life gets in the way. Life doesn't find a way. Yeah, that's uh, true. Well, it finds a way to screw up all your plans. Correct. So uh, that that it would be my that would be my last test, and I have not yet to do that. So and it still has cyberpsychosis, right? That's still a thing in the game. Yes, it, it is. Um, you have uh, still have humanity, and you're still kind of gonna go crazy. But they they they're, they're dealing with it with a slightly different a slightly different tact. Like they're not, they're they're a little more modern in the way they're dealing with it. Like you're not just going to go blah, I'm mad, right. crazy. Like they're actually like not quite at a level where it's I not think like I replaced my hand and now I want to murder everybody. Right. They're just you're just feeling less human, more cold, and mm. and, and it, it's something you can kind of balance out and. That may be a problematic part of this game to a lot of people is the way they treat mental health. So I think they've made good steps forward from what I remember reading. But, um, I mean, you're, are you looking at it right now? Uh, I'm actually looking at the the different classes you can oh, pick. Okay. And they look very familiar to me in terms of having interacted with 2020, run it, and played it a number of times. Yeah, they're, they're, it's all the same classes right rocker boys solos netrunners techs medias lawmen execs fixers nomads you're not going to see anything in there that's just going to jump out as like whoa what's going on here yeah like bioslave or something right right and it looks like cyber generation is just straight out the window and it didn't Uh, happen yeah that that they definitely 
shot Cybergen in the back alley and yeah. just left it there. So like, like <laughs> left that, its corpse rotting this, in, the, like, in the dingy alley, it, and then it, nuke the city. Right, they, they nuke the city, so the city is going to be different, so they can sell another city book. But like, <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, break it down. Like, I'm calling them out, Richard. Jeez, I, 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 but I want tell us how you really. But feel. I want a, I want a beautiful new city book with this new art. Like, I, I love the old like line art. The, the, to me, the early '90s is this like heyday of this beautiful like black and white ink line drawings, ink yeah. drawings with this India ink. Like I love those, and I I treasure my copies. But this stuff is is like very evocative, and will uh, you see this stuff, and you will go, oh, well, everybody now wants know. that polished computer with the glowing effects, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and they they pulled it off to their credit. I mean, it looks. It looks like a modern product, and it's got very modern that very modern computer style art that that fits with the genre. Right. If if this was a if we we're talking about a you know a, another dungeon dungeon crawling game, and it had art like this, like yeah, okay, I, I but it fits the art fits really well with the the genre. So yeah. It's just kind of fascinating seeing the intersection, and I mean, it's distilled into a pretty pure essence here of video games and role-playing games yeah because we've seen several role-playing games get translated into video games um i'm thinking of vampire the masquerade was vampire bloodlines there were D games going all the way back to when you use them on floppies right and baldur's gate and icewind dale and and all of those and and mutineer zero had a video game road to eden that was created for it and we're starting to see RPGs, computer RPGs, become role-playing games. Dragon Age, The Witcher, because uh, usually it was just kind of like media properties, like Firefly. You'd see those, Doctor Who, Babylon Five. Those would become role-playing games. But but now we're starting to see computer games become role-playing games, and and the role-playing games become computer games, and so everything's kind of meshing together in this big pile. Well, it's always kind of been a bit of a circle, a little bit. Well, it became a circle, like forever in a day. It was like Okay, and role-playing games have diver, you know, tabletop versus computer have diverged. Yeah, right? there was kind of this divergence, and then I think round about the time of World of Warcraft and Fourth Edition, they kind of came back together a little bit. Yeah, like, a little bit. And, and um, actually, The Witcher is also produced by Artalsorian, which is kind of interesting. And I have read. Uh, some of that because I think I have the PDF or whatever. Right. And there's a Fallout role-playing game coming soon. Yeah. That started as a computer game. And it's just because I, I saw role-playing games become computer games. And I, I would see that. I saw Dungeons & Dragons, but I never really saw computer games becoming role-playing games until till more recently. I, or at least maybe I don't recall. Like, I don't recall seeing a Doom role-playing game. Well, I, I have a Diablo role-playing game. Mm. I have. I, it's actually a second edition. It's actually one of the borders between second edition and third edition. Is Diablo? It was a box set for Diablo One. Mm. Did they ever turn EverQuest into a role playing? Oh uh, yeah. Oh absolutely. Yeah. Because I recall seeing yeah, that. There was that. I yeah. thought I saw that, but I don't like World of Warcraft. I don't. I don't recall seeing. Um. I think there was one. Okay. I think there was one, but the they're much more in the open. Er, much more. Advertising. Yeah, than I they guess used I'm just seeing be. these like, big source books now, and it's just kind of it, 
it seemed it's different to me. It's different because I don't I, and maybe I would just wasn't paying attention to it before. Right. Because well, I was so wrapped up in my own little world of I'm horror gaming. But right. Well, these those were the kind of games that you might they they generally got kind of there was a, they ordered a couple maybe they sold one and they would end up on the discount shelf and just collect dust. So they were not like I don't think they were big sellers. And it, I think it was because they were kind of like they, you know, those games like Diablo and Warcraft, and they were kind of their own big hit. Why would I have the computer? Why would I, why, when the computer can do all this for me, why would I do? Where now with the rise of, I think it's since the golden age of D and D, modern D and D. That, that has gotten so big that we we're starting to see that the popular kids at the computer game that, that started on tabletop have come back mm. and started to and started to those companies have felt like oh yeah I remember playing these games these games were great I, we need a game like this for our game like, yeah it kind of seems like if it's got a rich enough world there's a there's a player base that wants to explore the world in a way that maybe the computer game doesn't let them. So like Dragon Age and The Witcher, they have these very, very big, very evocative worlds, and there's been several Witcher games and a few Dragon Age games as well. And and maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just to kind of scratch that itch of, oh, I really want to go explore this corner that I don't get to in the game so I can do that in this role-playing game. I don't know. Right. And, and yeah, th- those worlds are so big now. Like, there's so much, like, I'm sort of surprised there was not a Elder Scrolls role-playing game. Like a Skyrim. Sky, well, I mean, I, I played in a – somebody did a fan version for Savage Worlds, and I played in that, and that was a lot of fun. We kind of – but there was not – like that's such a I, – I would ex- almost expect when they launch the next Elder Scrolls to see that become a, a property, and maybe yeah. we should go pitch them. It you just know, feels like you can do it in existing <laughs> games, like with Fallout, because I've done Fallout-style games in existing oh, yeah. post-apocalyptic games, and it's just, it's. I guess you're just getting the formal like IP stamp when you do it that way, right? Like it's, there's a Khajiit, you know, there's an Argonian, there's all these things from the game that you know, and now they're statted, so you can just take them and run with them. Right. Well, I mean, and if you know these these uh, developers have these huge books of backstory and all this other stuff, like. Why not monetize the the writers and get get them out there when it's just like we're talking about Star Wars, right? Star Wars, we could do Star Wars in pretty much anything, right? right? But it's it if you make a, a product out of it and make it easy, you're going to sell it. So I think that's uh, right. And people really want that official brand. They want right. to see the little Lucasfilm LTD stamp on it, and they want right. the Jedi on the cover. Whereas, you know, if I'm a non-branded Star Wars, I'm like, it's a guy with the laser sword, but he can't really call him a Jedi. Check out my light knight. You know? Right. Yeah. So that. Uh, yeah. I guess I can see that. Is it? it there's an appeal there because people want to interact with these properties. In that right. Way. But yeah, it's just kind of interesting to see, it. and it really surprised me to see them pitching. Cyberpunk Red as, oh, if you can't wait for the computer game, this will get you in and experiencing the world of Cyberpunk ahead of the computer game. And I just thought that was a very interesting marketing take. And I was kind of, I was, I'm keeping an eye out to see how it works for them because I'm, I'm very curious to see if they'll pull some PC gamers in with that or not, or if it's still going to, role playing still going to remain like the, the there's going to be kind of like that wall where there's some people who cross over, but, but there's still 
a delineation between the two. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of the, um, I think that's their hope. And since they had this ready, I think they were like, well, right. we're not going to wait. It's a bold strategy. We'll see how it pays out for them. I guess we'll know if we see Keanu Reeves' face in the cyberpunk book. I, I would actually I'd be very interested because the rumor is he's playing Johnny, Johnny Sil- Silverhand. Silverhand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if they replace Johnny Silverhand, which has always kind of been, I think he's always supposed to look like uh, Eddie Vedder, or not Eddie Vedder, but, uh, oh, who was it? Uh, Guns N' Roses, dude. Axel. Axel. I think he's always supposed to look a little like Axel. Oh, I never got that vibe off him, but. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. I'm assuming he's based on somebody from the 80s. I always just got like a California surfer vibe off that guy for some reason. Right. I don't know why. But it would be really interesting if that if they got uh, you know if they were using more of the 2077 concept art because when you sell your light image to you know they can mm-hmm. kind of use it as they will a little bit. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how married at the hip Artalsorian and whoever is making C- CD Project Red. C- yeah, CD Project Red here. I mean, they're calling it Cyberpunk Red and CD Project Red. Maybe they're tied at the hip. It's I, hard to say. Well, I I think uh, Mike has been uh, Pondsmith has been writing for them for a while. Mm. So I think he might have done some Witcher stuff. And that's okay. w- that's why they did the Witcher RPG. So this is like when all the White Wolf guys went to Paradox and were writing for them, right? And then, but then nothing ever came of it, right? Yeah, he made. Uh, I think he. They've said that kind of talking to him is one of the reasons they were doing this project. So cool. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. I will be looking forward to seeing that on store shelves when they eventually get around to getting that out everywhere. Yeah, not I, I, that they're not trying hard when it when it is released right. for wide distribution. Yeah, I, I want my cyberpunk dice because they're they're Q Workshop cyberpunk dice, and I, I want them. I want them badly. You must have the dice. More dice for the dice throne. Dice for the dice throne. Cool. All right. Well, what do you think? You got anything else for us, man? No, I think I think that's pretty good. All right. Cool. Well, this has been another episode of Full Metal RPG with. Richie Buzzkill and Adam. If you would like to interact with us, you can email us, fullmetalrpgofficial at gmail.com. You can always visit the website, fullmetalrpg.com, where we post all the episodes, and I still need to get my last review I wrote there Mm. of Monster of the Week. We have a Patreon, Full Metal RPG. Go on there, search for Full Metal RPG. If you want to support us, and, and we had some really cool interactions lately with that, so we yeah, gave we away did. we gave away some uh, disciples Jared, of bone shadow, disciples of bone shadows, some Jared cocaine miniatures which I made. So, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see what else we can crank out of the old 3D printer. Those are hot fire, uh, and uh, yeah. So, and we're we're gonna we're gonna be trying to do some more for the disc for the for the Patreon. We are. We're gonna try and resurrect the Patreon. You guys have been incredibly patient with us. We appreciate it because um, we've not been doing we we have not done what we're supposed to with that. So we apologize. We're, we're gonna do better. We're, we're gonna terrible. commit to do better. That's gonna be my theme for the remainder. Commit to do better. You find us on Instagram, Full Metal RPG. We're always on Facebook. Do a search for Full Metal RPG on Facebook. Hit us up there direct message us if you'd like to reach out to us and finally we have a discord a new discord, discord. you can find that at tinyurl.com slash full metal discord come join the choir of cultists and interact with 
a bunch of cool people on the Full Metal RPG Discord. Yeah, we, it's really popping. There's a lot of a lot of game industry people on there. Uh, Brendan, Adam, Richard, we're all on there. Yeah, so you can yeah. come talk to us. A lot of cool peeps. Yeah. Check it out. Eventually, we'll be doing some kind of crazy stuff on there. So uh, it's going to get wild. Yeah, it's definitely going to get wild, and uh, it gets you off the social. Like it's not a social media platform, so you you know you are still the product, but not as much. <laughs> nice. Well, hope everyone enjoyed it. Hope everyone is doing well out there, and have a great night. Rock. Thank you.